You're now listening to the Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and this is where we bring you the week's news in bite-sized portions. Bernie, how are you getting on? I'm good, Keen. How are you? I'm not too bad. Uh, I see on the front page of this week's Limerick Post newspaper, there's a story, again, about the University Hospital Limerick, and this time it's uh, patients not being admitted after self-harming. Yes, Keen. Um, these are These are... These are figures that were um, collated by the National Suicide Research Federation and apparently the ED at the University Hospital Limerick has the highest percentage of patients who are discharged without being admitted to hospital after arriving following an incident of self-harm. Now, just to be clear, the the National Suicide Federation doesn't collect uh, attempted suicide or suicidal ideation figures. It connects... The only solid figure that it can actually collect is that somebody has harmed themselves or attempted to harm themselves. Now, if you end up in the Shannon, that's attempting to harm yourself. So, you know, you read between the lines there. Yeah. So um, 71%, that's more than 7 in 10, of all people who show up in the emergency department who are clearly very distressed, having tried to harm themselves, are um, sent home without being admitted to the hospital. And, you know, the Federation will tell you there may be lots of reasons for that. Interestingly, another 13% leave without being seen at all. Now, there could be lots of reasons for that, too. They may just get fed up waiting. They may decide they're feeling better. Um, There may be intoxication involved or drug use, and they come down from wherever they are. But it's quite a high figure, and no other hospital in the country has that many people walking out the door after arriving having self-harmed. And I believe there's a statistic as well that Limerick has the highest level of suicide. It does, yes, Keane, it does. We, we, We are, we have that. We have that tragic um, reputation, yeah. And this is all. This is this all emerged during an interview I did with this lady, uh, who is one of the people who have set up um, a place called the, ha- the Hub, the Haven Hub, in, okay. here in Henry Street. And that the idea of that is that there is actually really nowhere for people to go after hours, uh, if they if they if they become very distressed, or if they've attempted suicide or are co- contemplating suicide. Really, the only place that the guys and girls who patrol the river can send them is out to the ED. And they will tell you that they take talk somebody down off the bridge and they get them out to the ED in an ambulance and then meet them again two hours later back at the river. And what this hub is hoping to do is just provide a place of safety away from the water. And that's psychologically very important, that it's away from the water. And if, you know, if these guys... Um, meet somebody who's in distress, they can walk them up there, sit them down, talk to them, have a cup of tea. But they also have volunteers, and it's only been set up a very short period of time, and they've already got more than 50 volunteers. What they want from the HSE is for their volunteers to be trained in this assist program, which teaches people how to actually speak with somebody who's in that state and not say the wrong thing, how to make a plan of safety for that person. And it's pretty vital that those volunteers know how to do that. Um, so Leona O'Callaghan, who's one of the founders, uh, she she wants she wants this training for her for her uh, volunteers. But apparently there's a four month waiting list for this, and they'll only take two volunteers at a time from any organisation. It would seem like there's such a huge response. Like Limerick, yeah. is, you you and I both know the city. We're very very sensitive to the whole issue of suicide in, in Limerick, and there are people who really don't want to see anyone else dying, uh, and. People are willing to give up their time, but she only has a handful of trained volunteers, so they can only open two nights a week at the moment. But this is a place other than the ED mm-hmm. where people can go. And sometimes, obviously, people have to be sent to the ED. 
uh, if they're if they're physically distressed. And, physically and was there any yeah. response from the hospital on the story? Not as yet, Keen. No, okay. uh, there hasn't been. There hasn't been. I do know from previous conversations with the hospital that there is um, a facility whereby people who come in suffering from what are apparently mental health difficulties or depression or have suicidal ideation are triaged by uh, qualified mental health, senior qualified mental health nurses. I guess most of them are sent home, probably because, partly I suppose because the idea of, uh, you know, uh, beds for admission for people who come in with mental health difficulties are the same problem. Beds for admission who come in with people, for people who come in after car accidents, yeah. you know, there just aren't enough beds. Yeah. That's that's my supposition. The, the hospital have not yet uh, responded to that particular issue. They've said they will come back to me. And uh, if anybody's looking for some kind of help, they can contact the Haven Hub or phone Samaritans they can contact on well, all day uh, Well, I would strongly recommend they go on to the Limerick Suicide Watch yeah. uh, website. Download their app as well. They have, yeah. they have download their app. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're still feeling healthy right now, download the app. You may have, you may, in, yeah. you may tomorrow or tonight have a friend who has need of that. And yeah, all day there's plenty, there's plenty of, of, of organisations willing to help. It's, she makes the point that after office hours, they're really, you know, the, the the organisations who are there and staffed after office hours are much fewer and the only physical place to go is out to the hospital. The guys in the suicide watch will tell you that they, they have to sit people down on the hard cold benches yeah. down by the river and talk to them. And that's, they're still at the water. They're still within harm's way, as it were. Yeah. And uh, moving on from a health story, Bernie, uh, this one's more business and transport. Another story from yourself, uh, the Minister for... Shane Ross paid Transport. a flying yeah. visit to... <laughs> flying. <laughs> and it was a flying visit, Keen. Um, there's, there's some very annoyed politicians, I think, uh, in, in the local authorities in Clare and, and, and Limerick who would have liked to have a chat with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but either way, he, got to, he, came, he went to meet the, peop- to meet the um, executives from the Shannon Group who gave him a briefing on what the Shannon Group has been doing since its foundation. And they've been doing quite a lot. They also gave him... Uh, a tour of Bunratty Castle and Folk Park, and there's a huge project going on there, as you know. Yeah. Uh, massive investment, eight million. They're going to put into that, and of course that that's a huge success story. The whole Castle and Folk Park and banquets and all the rest of it. Uh, now, I suppose what a lot of people are saying is that one thing he didn't bring with him was an aviation plan, <laughs> <laughs> which that, people that have been, been asking for yeah, for. Yeah. A, we spoke a couple of months ago, and this is what people were well, asking we've, for. We've been talking. We've been talking about this yeah. for years. Uh, like Shannon. Shannon's Shannon's doing mighty, and they're doing they're definitely doing their best to try and get new routes. And we we had a new announcement today about routes into Shannon, Barcelona, and Paris. I think we're all grand for the weekend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, they're, they're, there's only so much they can do. They can't finance everything. They they have a lot of capital projects that need need to be tackled, yeah. and they are financing them. But it's 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 really it's difficult for them, and they have less than three million passengers. So they could have they could um they could have uh, for they could avail of of government funding. A government funding package has been announced. So unless he said something very privately to the directors of the airport, there has been no announcement that he's going to cut a slice of this fund specifically for Shannon. Yeah. And I think a lot of people were kind of hoping he would say that. Uh, sort of leaves people scratching their heads, wondering if this is his intention, why didn't he just say so? You know, It would have sweetened the visit enormously. You know? <laughs> he might have even got a ticket for the banquet. You know? <laughs> so, so a lot of people are hoping that a, a plan will come from this visit or... Well, people yeah. are hoping that first and foremost that they've announced the aviation budget in, yeah. the, in, in the budget. And they're hoping for first and foremost he'll stand up and say, look, Shannon is getting some of this money. Smaller airports have, have availed of it before, and that's fair enough. We're not yeah. arguing with that. 
you know, Shannon is the driver in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. He really has to look after this airport, and I don't know if he's going to do that, nor, nor do a lot of other people. Well, hopefully the next time we speak about it, Bernie, it'll be positive news. I, well, it is positive to news today about the new yeah. routes into Barcelona. And Par- well, yeah. I'm very positive about those anyway. Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah. Nice weekend away. And Bernie, <laughs> thanks very much for joining us. Okay, Keen, thank you. I'm now joined in studio by Head of News, Jerry Collison. Jerry, how are you getting on? Um, not too bad at all, Keen. Nice one. Um, I see there's a very sad story in Limerick this week with the death of a young Brooklyn over in Ballynanty. And David Raleigh writes about it in this week's Limerick Post. Yeah, this is this is almost unimaginable. It's it's uh, got to do. Everybody's probably heard about it at this stage, about the uh, murder of an eleven-year-old schoolboy, um, Brooklyn Colbert from um, Ballinanty, um, and we're precluded from from really making any comments about the incident itself because um, a man who's understood to be a male relative uh, was arrested shortly afterwards. And uh, at this stage, the um, questioning and investigation is still continuing. So away from that, you can imagine what sort of an effect it would have had in the community and even more so on, on young Brooklyn's uh, classmates. Uh, he, was a, he was a pupil at the John F. Kennedy Memorial School and uh, was getting ready to return there last Monday after the, the Halloween holidays. And uh, instead of that, now the, the principal there, Theresa O'Sullivan, has been saying that they're um, providing um, counselling for the, for the young classmates. And I'm sure they and their families and the broader community there is just so devastated about this. Not to mention young Brooklyn's mum and dad, uh, his mother, um, you know, looking at the social media comments and everything like that. His 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 mother and himself would have had a, a, a very very close and loving relationship. It was a and big outpouring on social media over the last few days, and uh, understandably so. Absolutely, well. yeah. and and particularly, let's say maybe in the community, of course, but also in the the broader Limerick sporting area, because. Um, Young Brooklyn himself had, had joined up with uh, Ballinanti Rovers recently and he'd been following in the footsteps of his dad, Wayne, who, um, who's a well-known player with Pike Rovers, but he's also um, played his trade in the League of Ireland with Limerick FC, Shamrock Rovers and Athlone Town. So really all at the stages we can just reflect on the, the sadness and the, the great sense of tragedy that surrounds this. Yep, and then um, another story then, Jerry from uh, David Raleigh, a bit more positive with this one. It's uh, UL City Centre Campus is hoping to generate 30 million euros a year for the local economy. Yeah, and, you know, it's a good thing given the amount of um, bad publicity that's been surrounding UL for some time. And it's fantastic to see that now they're getting, you know, widespread praise for this uh, for this initiative. And most people recognise the site as being the old done stores on, on uh, Sarsfield Bridge. One of the things I suppose that a lot of people won't realise is how big it is. Because, uh, you know, we published a photograph now this week, um, you know, one of those ones taken with drone. And uh, it just shows the, the, the scale of the uh, the scale of the site. It's actually all around that block. Most people wouldn't realise that Duns would have taken up the entire um, blocked it. It mm-hmm. wasn't just the facade. It wasn't just the the part there saving or uh, facing Sarsfield Bridge. It goes way way back. And the early plans now, and of course at this stage, nothing has been submitted for planning or anything like that yet. But there were some initial sketches as to how they might make best use of the site. 
And, you know, it was shown uh, at, at two and in places a three-storey um, three building, which, um, you know, would have the capacity to become a sort of a fairly flagship ship area. Um, the idea is that there'd be, um, you know, increasing the um, student population in UL up to 20,000 students. Now, that's a fair amount, you know, if you take it 20,000 people between the ages of, what, 18 and 25, maybe? Yeah. You wouldn't have that in most cities, you know, if you think about it. So it'll be a huge boost to the to the city and particularly to the city centre and, you know, bringing a bit of life there after um, after office hours, which is something, you know, that people in Limerick have been calling for for a long, long time. I think it's needed in every city, isn't it? Some life after hours. It is yeah. indeed. You know, you can see how, how, how good it is in, in Galway and it's something that Galway has, has really thrived on. You know, yeah. Galway, you know, being comparable size to Limerick and you can see how obvious the whole student vibe is there around the city, you know, in terms of the... Uh, the hospitality, the pubs, the restaurants, the music, you know, there's that great life around the place. And, you know, it would be fantastic if some of this could could come to could come to Limerick, you know, yeah. and certainly the, the, the um, new city centre campus would be a great way of, of bringing that about. And those stories are much more available in this week's Limerick Post newspaper online at limerickpost.e. Jerry Collison, thank you for joining me. And thank you very much, Cian, and I hope you have a lovely little stay in uh, in Spain. And I hope you don't cut this out of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Jerry. I'm now joined in studio by our arts editor, Rose Rush. Rose, how are you? Cian, uh, uh, what an exciting, exciting, exciting time it is with the arts. Yeah. From you had a busy Karen. week. Absolutely. Absolutely. How was the Sinead O'Connor gig? Live under the big top, um, Friday last. She yeah. sang beautifully. Very, very musical, very loving, relaxed, upbeat, happy gig. Very little chit-chat with us. It was yeah. just music all the way, but she seemed centred, sorted, and her voice is amazing. Brilliant. Good light show as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah very Sold happy. out as well, a good crowd there. Did it sell out? Yep. Yeah, well, a huge crowd, but uh, yeah, I'm not able to do a head count. Not <laughs> 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 10 o'clock on a Friday night, but yeah, full marks. Yeah, she made yeah. a lot of people very happy. And then I saw on Monday you were in South Bar for the launch of uh, Chitty Chitty Bang oh Bang. Oh, God, yeah. I'm absolutely just writing up um, two interviews. One with Lynn Carr, they're a very good quality chairperson who's taking a small role this year because it's their centenary year. Many demands on him. He did tell me that Sicilians are pushing north of 65,000 euro in this year's staging. Wow. Of Chitty Chitty Bang Bag, yeah, which will open in Lime Tree late November. They're going to do seven shows for the first time ever late November, five evening shows to Matney. So their expectations are high. And why wouldn't they? Because they have outsourced their car from London, which will all but... Blow the budget. And... <laughs> <laughs> you're onto something there it's going to fly very 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 high indeed um have you time for a little bar chitty chitty bang bang because um, the lovely king burp uh, may i say that again the lovely kim kim burke sorry kim i'm laughing here uh jason ronan who plays characters but she's truly scrumptious and two beautiful children uh jeremy potts william shields and jemima potts played by holly Pertil. In Souths on Monday night, they spontaneously broke into this. (laughs) 
Listen, how do you not love it? Okay, so that was uh, that was that's Monday evening, uh, Tuesday lunchtime. Big big posse of media of children who auditioned and are participating. The huge cast too, and the team at University Concert Hall and their sponsors, Specsavers yeah. Limerick, and yourself, and Megan Myself Scully. Myself and Megan Scully and Rose Rush. Um, and Jerry O'Malley and you know, <laughs> Darren Nash and yeah absolutely and lots of well wishers very attractive lunch uh, to meet I was there personally to hound the lovely um, as a neighbour who will be played by Jenny Ward there will be an interview an exclusive interview coming up at the Limerick Post soon unique copy to us and he was lovely wasn't he I just wanted to tell him and I got to tell him how much his grace and poise and humanity and ability uh, in Dancing with the Stars took him to the very final when his father had just died. Yeah. I just thought that was such impressive playing. And now I hear he's doing a cycle on Fair City and I'm completely unable to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, more and on in Arts Page uh, on subsequent news to that launch. And then you and I were at Maeve McMahon and a lot of Petronellas, their documentary Land Without God last night. Uh, Joe Little um, took the chair for a question and answer panel session later. Intense, beautiful, Ella Jake. Yeah. Uh, the only way to put it really is intense, isn't it? It was very hit the nail in the head with a lot of the stuff, you know. Yeah, and the yeah. composition of each frame was beautiful. I thought yeah. the use of language within it was beautiful. Yeah. And it sets context brilliantly. The opening interview is with his eldest uh, sister. Uh, I think there were five sisters born, and then the boys began to come. Jared was the eldest, the eldest. Of, of the boys, yeah. right? And he, he looks at her, and she, this isn't a woman who wants the camera at all. But he has coaxed these interviews with his family's intelligence that it's the right thing to do to go back and visit what the the child's experience was and the young adult's experience was in these series of detention centres, industrial homes, Magdalene laundries, etc. And she goes through the 15 children born to his hardworking mother and father in a two-bedroom flat. No wonder the children became a little bit feral after a while. Um, and the nieces and nephews the nieces and nephews <laughs> and another generation yeah. again and at the and he, he speaks about the legacy of what the the cruelty the violence the extraordinary deployment of children in 12 hour days of slave labour building rows ironing sheets whatever it was he said the work the cleaning the scrubbing the painting whatever it was they were put to doing it was relentless skinny rations of food and his first experience of abuse was being driven to let her frack yeah age yeah. six uh had been being handcuffed and led from the court uh, exported over by a, a guard in a train and picked up by a christian brother who took him to the most desolate part of the letter frack countryside and uh the, the violence and the wrong things began very very quickly yeah. to a six-year-old boy estranged from his family and the, there was a break in his voice as he began to introduce briefly the, the film to us yeah so full marks for astonishing yeah. documentary making and best of luck with them with the rest of our tour because they're bringing yes, it off yeah. yes indeed so uh, Rose then we have translations coming up with the college players yeah, yeah. Our big our big story this week <coughs> it's opening on Tuesday the 12th in Line Tree Theatre um, my interview this week is with Margaret Hock I did speed out to Bally Brown Hedge School Cottage, which was a restoration by the surrounding village and hinterland and supporters there, led by Jim Farrell, who used to be an art and woodwork teacher for a school known to my dad, Sean Rush. They used to work together. And, oh, uh, lovely. Yeah. 
that always a great, great time for Jim Farrell. Wonderful craftsman, but a wonderful human being as well. He has led that restoration. Uh, no foundations to a hedge school, obviously, uh, because they were temporary and transient for reasons we know. Uh, but walls, roofing, chimney restored, huge turf fire there on the crowded night. You can smell sausages cooking in the background. <laughs> Myself, the mayor, uh, supporters, members of college, players, their cast, we all just had to push our way in the door because it seemed to be the hottest place in the world to be on that Monday night going back to mid-October. God bless college players. They really know how to um, up the ante. Uh, the wonderful Joan McGarry Moore, who stepped aside from directing now for some time, she was invited to make, um, to make sense of Brian Field and translations on what the focus of the play is. Everybody wanted her script as we left. Uh, I took notes in the night, and this is what she tells us is the nub of the play. Do we have time to read it? Briefly, Rose. Yeah, we do. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> she she burped me. No, no. <laughs> what she observes in translations is that cultural identity imprinted on a language is being dismantled. This is exactly the nub of the play. Imperial domination, cultural mm. annihilation, independence, sovereignty, the colonizer seizing language to replace it. Uh, it's a story set in Ballybug in Donegal in 1833, so pre-famine times, when the, our English governors are revisiting the ordinance survey scheme to uh, erase our how Limnock goes and we become Limerick. Yeah. That sort of thing, how, you know, I, I grew up Bay. in Ballybeog in Watford. Yeah. Is there? Yeah, that's where I grew up. Ballybeog. Yeah. Okay. Small town. Okay. My first yeah. years were in uh, Dungarvan Head. Yeah. Sounds um, like a very interesting play, Rose. An amazing, amazing yeah. cast. Owen Hearn is the lead. Uh, Lieutenant Yolland, who falls in love with Rachel Griffin's character. She's a fine, fine actress. She plays Moira. She's an Irish speaker only, a Gwail Gore. She wants to leave. She wants to learn English. She wants to emigrate. She wants a better life. He, Margaret Hawk, makes a point to me. He's the one who, um, he keeps coming back to the beauty of the land, she tells me, the beauty of the Irish place names, the sound of the language, even though he does not understand it. He wants to learn it. And uh, full marks as well. She, she told me that I couldn't include Nigel Dugdale. Uh, plays uh, Dualty, village gossip, married to his equally gossipy partner. Uh, she's played by the lovely, lovely Joanna Connor. Uh, we know them from Torch Players as well. And uh, she tells us there's a chattering monkeys at the village. They're a very important plot device carrying news from scene to scene to scene to scene. So this is going to be an, an incredibly sensitive and good quality and very, very moving show, I think, in, in wonderful hands. And that opens in Lime Tree on Tuesday, the 12th of November. Brilliant. It's worth checking out. So all the arts news is available on this week's Limerick Post newspaper on page 80. Sneaky mention for Declan Green, whose pop-up show, uh, he's a very, very, very fine visual artist known for a long time. His show, Slowing Down, opens at 7pm in Lucky Lane, and it shows then in daylight hours during Saturday, Sunday, into next Monday. Brilliant. Rose, thank you very much for joining me. So that's it for this week's Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. And I'd like to thank Rose Rush, our arts editor, for joining us, journalist Bernie English and head of news Jerry Collison. For all your news, sports, art, entertainment and much, much more, visit limerickpost.ie or follow the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all social media channels. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and we really are Keeping Limerick Posted. <laughs>